Gets open for three. Dagger! Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Well Beyond the Arc. I'm Manoli. And I'm Montana. And as usual, we'll be talking NBA basketball with you folks for the next 60 minutes. Glad you can join us. Uh, glad you can join us here on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitch, wherever you're joining, wherever you're listening, wherever you're watching us. Thank you for being with us today. You guys are as much of a part of a show as we are, so keep those comments flowing in. Uh, feel free to try to crack us up and get us off topic whenever you want, and uh, we're, we're happy to have you. And before we get started, props to Jay for this awesome new background, the new intro music. And I think uh, Montana, he's got a couple more surprises in store for us today with uh, some new graphics and background. So, uh, and as always, folks, make sure you hit that subscribe button on the bottom left to the Yankee and the Brit Sports Group. Uh, not only catch well beyond the arc, this fabulous NBA podcast, but a number of different shows on the Yankee and, Brit and the Brit sports group so be sure to subscribe if you haven't already montana how the hell are you i'm doing good but i'm only doing good this week because then i'm right back to that nebraska cold i'm going home for the christmas break uh -oh. taking a little time off work and my mom sent me what the what the temps are looking like and oh it's going to be a little different than this hawaii weather so i'm doing good <laughs> this week you might have to ask me again next week especially with those uh -oh. temps but it'll be good uh -oh. to be home for sure i've missed it a lot the the cold air is going to be a reality my friend Whew. that's wow. for sure Excited for you to be able to get home. I see you're wearing the LeBron James St. Vincent St. Mar uh, Mary's jersey today. I am. Got to represent. Got to represent. Um, you know, everyone was talking about that big clash of, you know, Bronny Jr. And, and Carmelo Anthony's son. But it doesn't come close to what this guy meant, yeah. what those teams meant. That was way bigger. The only reason that was big was because of this. So, but yeah. no, shout out. Had to give a little, you know, respect. That's cool to see that moment, at least, you know, good to see their son go head to head just like they went head to head. So that was cool to see. So I got to show a little love with this. Yeah, well, well done, sir. All right, let's let's hop into it. We've got a lot to cover today. Uh, state of our squads. Uh, every week, Montana and I uh, rant for a couple minutes. Uh, Montana about his beloved Lakers, me about my Bulls. And Montana? I think we might have frozen, but I'm just going to start talking about the Lakers because I think that that's probably what we're doing anyway. So uh, Lakers had a pretty rough week last week, kind of up and down, you know, some close games, some pretty, you know, hard fought battles, but unfortunately only went one and three on the week. And that was a win against the Pistons. But this is a team that had they not made the improvements they have made with their with their lineups, they would have lost all four of those games. The fact that they had a bounce back game, had a really solid performance from LeBron and Anthony Davis after a pretty rough, you know, three game stretch, that gives me hope. What are we lacking? What do we need? Well, what we really, 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 really desperately need is a, is a beefed up lineup. We need a beefed up roster. Our starting lineup could use some changes, but it's really our bench. We need a deeper bench, and we really need to make sure that we're just kind of beefing our roster up. So the Lakers need to beef that roster up, and then I think we're fine. I think we could be a contender, or at least maybe I need to step a little bit far back from that because with our record right now, I don't think I can say we're a contender. But I think we can be viewed more as a playoff team and maybe a more serious playoff team, not just an early bounce. So good, you know, only good for the Lakers. As we record, we have a tough one tonight. I've been not I've not been looking forward to this. Maybe I shouldn't have worn this jersey because it's Celtics colors. But Celtics Lakers tonight, 
that might be a little rough. Nuggets, Lakers, that might be a little rough. And then we have Wizards, Lakers. But I think we can at least get those Wizards and, and kind of continue to build up a little bit. But it's all about that lineup and that roster, and we need more depth. But definitely improvements, way better than the first time we did State of Our Squad. Yeah, no, that's for sure. I mean, got to give Lakers credit. They uh, they came back. They came back and uh, got themselves to a somewhat respectable record. Still a long ways to go. More trade rumors. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point. Um, but yeah, that Celtics game tonight is going to be tough, especially the Celtics coming off of a 20-point loss to the Clippers last night. Uh, that was unexpected. But hey, that's why they play the games, right? Uh, for the Bulls, 2-1-1 uh, week. Really should have been 3-0. and uh, You know, <laughs> as I talk about them every week, they're up and down, making my blood pressure uh, just spike all over the place. But Two solid wins, uh, beat Washington, uh, close game at home, and then blew out Dallas without Luka Doncic, wasn't playing, which that's exactly what you're supposed to do if you're the Bulls or any team. If you don't have their best player, you need to blow them out, especially at home. And the third game, which was I, I watched the end of the fourth quarter in overtime, it just tore my heart out, was a last-second loss in overtime to the Atlanta Hawks, where Derek Jones Jr. had an – spectacular rebound off of a DeMar DeRozan miss at the end of regulation, went to the line with the chance to win it. He did tie it, made one or two free throws. And then DeRozan gets fouled at the end, hits all three free throws with half a second left, which I don't know why there should have been a half second left if you watch that game and with the clock. But anyway, half second left. And you can ask my wife, I told her they can't give up a lob. They can't give up a lob. Threw some expletives in there. But credit to Trey Young. I don't know if it was Trey Young or Bogdanovich making the pass to, to rookie Griffin of the Hawks over the shoulder tip, the one play you can't give up and a heartbreaking uh, loss for the Bulls. But two on one, starting to climb out of it, hopefully. Uh, one thing that concerns me is Zach Levine's shot selection, which has been a concern of mine ever since he's got to Chicago. He's sh- shown in overtime that he can get to the basket with ease, but yet as they were trying to get the lead, he was still pull up fadeaway threes, not great shots when you have the drive and you can get the end one anytime you want. So anyway, our teams are still uh, under 500, struggling to get in that top 10, but looking a little bit better than the last couple weeks, that's for sure. So more to come on that. Well, we titled this episode in Montana, episode 28 already. We made, titled Participation Trophies. And when we made that decide on that title, we were focusing more on the news that the NBA announced that they are going to award a trophy to the team with the best regular season record. And, and we're both kind of scratching our heads on that. But before we get into the other news that came out today regarding trophies, let's focus on that announcement about the regular season. Montana, when you heard the news, what were your immediate thoughts? And, you know, my immediate thoughts were it's exactly like what our title states. It's a participation trophy. You can have a great record and do nothing in the uh, in the playoffs, in the postseason. That's the problem. You can have a fantastic, fantastic regular season and then bomb the playoffs. And that's that. That's that's the end. And no one remembers that regular season. We could go we could go through who had the best regular season record, both conferences throughout the years. And quite a few of them were not championship winners. And that's what it takes. And so for me, it's a it's a it's a big problem. It's a big 
it's a big issue because I think that that's just going to make it more of a participation trophy feeling because that's exactly what it is. It's not the big thing. It's not the thing that everyone really cares about. The best record isn't that big of a deal. And to put it up and make it seem like it is, is a problem. So yeah, that, I just think it'll, it'll cause more bad than good. And maybe it won't cause bad, but it just won't cause good. And it's not a, a trophy that I think needs to be, I don't I just don't think it's just unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, I think it sets a, a bad precedent to be honest with you. It, it kind of reminds me of sometimes if you're on social media and you see some of the fake banners, like the, the parody uh, meme banners, especially from like New York Knicks fans. I saw that they did this a lot, making fun of their team of, Hey, made the playoffs and put that right next to their championship banners. Or, um, you know, like the Minnesota Timberwolves last year when they made the playoffs and Pat Bev was, acting like they, they just won the championship and Hey, we won the plan, you know, things of that nature. Look, the, the NHL does this with the, with the president's trophy. They award the president's trophy to the team that has the best record in the league. Having the best record in the league is a hell of an accomplishment. Don't get me wrong, but are we going to start putting banners in team stadiums for this? Uh, and, and Frack has just said it best. It don't mean a thing without, without a ring. Um, are you going to get an argument? Like if you're, let's say the Phoenix Suns, for example, get, end up with the best record in the league, right? Uh, at the end of the season, is Chris Paul going to walk into LeBron's house and, and say, Hey, we got the best record in, in the league. And then LeBron just uh, flashes his four championship rings. Who wins that argument? Of course, LeBron all day long. I don't know. I think this is a case where the NBA, once again, as of late is trying to fix something that isn't broken. Um, this is the second time I remember that the NBA is emulating something that the NHL is doing, which always isn't or isn't always a good idea. You know, the award show that they had, which was kind of cool, but eh, to be honest with you, now this, I don't know, this this does feel like a participation trophy, and I think we're both on the same page of that. In addition to that, and luckily for us, with the title that we picked for today's podcast, the NBA announced today that it was renaming some of the trophies, especially for the postseason player awards. Uh, the headliner was the change of the name of the most valuable player trophy, the MVP. They're now naming it the Michael Jordan MVP award. And we'll go through some of the other ones, but just that, just that alone, Montana, before we go to, through some of the names and if the NBA got them right, what, what was your take on or initial reaction on the NBA deciding to rename all these trophies out of nowhere? So, yeah, I mean, like you said, it was out of nowhere. I wasn't really expecting, you know, the NBA has had some unexpected changes and things throughout the years, but this was something that I don't think anyone really saw coming. And it's another, I'll say this. I don't, I think that it makes perfect sense to give a name to the trophy and name it after the most iconic player who won it. But I, that's, I'm going to be honest, Michael Jordan's not the most iconic MVP. The most iconic MVP is the guy who has the most, and that's not Michael Jordan. That's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. If anyone should have the MVP trophy named after them, it's a player who won it the most times. And when you think of a player, no one's ever going to get six again. I don't think we'll ever see someone get six MVPs in their career. And so that should be who the award is named after. I think each award should be named after the most iconic person, the person we think about when we think about that award. And I don't think that's Michael Jordan and, and Michael Jordan's great, but I just think it's Kareem. So I think the name change in, of, in and of itself, not something that was super necessary, but I do think it's kind of cool to kind of pay your respects and pay homage to the you know greats from the past. But I think you need to pick the right ones. And some of the names they picked are head scratching to me if we're going off of names that are the most iconic for that trophy. Yeah, no, we'll go through them here. I mean, I was just as surprised as you. 
I think on one hand, this is another example of the NBA trying to fix something that's not broken. But I do agree. I think it is kind of cool that they do name these awards after a certain NBA legends before it and have it it's symbolic to the award they win. Now, I'll be honest, when I first heard that they named the MVP award after Michael Jordan, I had this I had a similar reaction. I thought, well, wait a minute, Kareem Abdul Jabbar has the most MVPs. Kareem has six, Michael has four. And we're talking regular season MVPs here. Uh and then, you know, there's guys like LeBron that have four, and then there's another a bunch of guys that um are tied after that. But then I thought, this isn't the first time the NBA has named an award after a player. If you think back, they've recently, I think in the last, I don't know how many years, named the NBA Finals Award after the late Bill Russell. So I think that was the first award they named after, uh, well, recently renamed after a player. And who has the most reigns? And that's Bill Russell, right. Then you have the All-Star Game MVP, which the NBA... Uh, renamed, I think it was last year or the year before, after the late Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant had, an, I think he's either tied with the most all-star MVPs or he might have one up on everybody else. So appropriate, right? And then I thought, you know, the MVP award, Kareem, we, you just said it yourself, Kareem against MJ. But then I just Googled that because I thought I remembered that <laughs> we, we got another visitor. Put it on, put it on the blooper reel, Jay. Um I thought that the NBA named a an award. You all right over there? Yeah, I'm good. All good. <laughs> Just tried to make sure the whole setup didn't come crashing down. Oh, we didn't. We didn't lose picture. We got you. <laughs> um, no, yeah, MJ did win the MVP five times. LeBron won it four times. Um, Kareem actually had an award named after him, not a traditional award, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's name, and, and the NBA named him on the social justice social champion of justice i'm butchering the name but anyway kareem had an award named after him my only rationale to the mvp award is okay you're going to name two things after kareem i get the kareem one more mvps and if they announced that kareem was the mvp it'd be the kareem abdul jabbar mvp award i wouldn't be mad at it but i don't think the jordan award is that far-fetched but let's go through some of the other ones because i think i have some issues with these two Defensive Player of the Year award. They named it after Hakeem Olajuwon. Great player. All-time leader in block shots. But Montana, was this the right call in your opinion? No, I think the right call. I've got two names in mind when I'm thinking about who they should have named it after. I'm thinking it's either the Matumbe, the Matumbe Matumbo award because when we think about defensive players, we think about um we think about we we just think about I'm, wow, I'm losing my train of thought right now. These comments are making me trip up a little bit. Um, no, but the, we're 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 looking at iconic players who we think of when we think of that. Yes, we think of Hakeem because of course he's leading that stat in blocks. But I don't think of Hakeem when I think of all time best defensive players. I think of a player like Matumbo, or I'm even going to throw out Ben Wallace. I can totally see a Ben Wallace or a Matumbo. So I'm looking at Ben Wallace or Matumbo when I'm looking at who should this award be named after. I'm not really looking towards Hakeem for the criteria that I'm thinking it should be at by at least. So, I don't want to slight Hakeem Olajuwon here. Hakeem Olajuwon, great player, and he was a great defensive player. Um, he, he he's not the NBA's all-time leading block shots leader because he's a he's a scrub. However, in terms of the the actual award, Matumbo and Ben Wallace are I think tied with the most uh, defensive player of the year awards. 
me personally, I would have given it to, to Kimmy Matumbo because what cooler thing would have been to have an NBA, uh, a defensive player of the year trophy with a guy doing a finger wag. I think that would be the one of the cooler trophies in the NBA. So for me, I would have gave it to Matumbo. Wallace wouldn't have been a bad call either. Lajuan's not a terrible call, but I think he only won one or two defensive player of the year awards. Give it like, you know, give it to someone that's won it the most or at least close to that. So we're, we're on par there. Rookie of the year, NBA named it after Wilt Chamberlain. And you're already yeah. down your head. That's the right call. Yeah, there's no one else. I mean, the stat, the numbers this guy put up his entire career, and and it's it's kind of impressive the stats he put up his rookie and then his last season. I mean, they're just incredible. Both both sides look great. You you couldn't you couldn't tell me which player was the rookie and which player was the vet because he always put those numbers up. So they got this one right. You you can't go wrong with that. I have no other argument. I mean, he had a rookie year of 37 points per game and 27 rebounds. Yeah. I mean, other guys like Jordan and Shaq had some pretty impressive rookie years, but no, it, it's Wilt's going away. Sixth man of the year, named it after John Havlicek. Any issue with that? I think it's Jamal Crawford. How can it not be him? He's Mr. Sixth Man of the Year. I know that he's not a player that's too far removed. Last I know, I think he's he's not playing currently. I don't think Jamal Crawford no. is currently playing. But that's the guy. I mean, that's Mr. Sixth Man of the Year, and that was his role, and that's what people think of him as, and that's a – you know, that's a compliment. That couldn't be any more of a compliment. So I've got it, even though he's not too far removed from the game, I've got it being Jamal Crawford. How could it be anybody else? I'm going to play a little devil's advocate just because going for the guy, the old school folks, John Havlicek was the original six man before he became started for the Celtics. I mean, he was a six man on those Celtics teams with Bill Russell, Bob Cousy and those guys. And he was the original six man before they even started giving out this award. I get what they were trying to do. I don't, I'm not mad at the John Havlicek pick, but I also wouldn't be mad if they gave it to someone like Jamal Crawford, who I think has four of these awards. And I think Lou Williams is right there too. But John Havlicek, Jamal Crawford, either way, I'm, I'm, I'm good. It's, I'm, not, I'm not as upset about this one. Now, this next one, the last one, I believe that they uh, – no, I'm sorry. There's two more. The most improved player of the year, George Mikan. Now, George Mikan, probably the NBA's first big-time star back in the day in the early or late 40s, early 50s. But he was a star from the beginning. He was a star when he was at DePaul University back in the day. I think this is one where they're like, okay, we have to honor George Mikan somehow, and we're just going to put his name on this award. But Montana, how do, you, how do you feel, and who do you think should be on this award instead? So, yeah, so, I mean, I definitely would not put, you know, I, I just don't think that – that is a pick. It's probably one of the most head scratching picks in my opinion, because like you said, that is a player that was great, you know, all the way through. And maybe he didn't meet the standards or he wasn't viewed as that caliber of a player at that time, but he was great his whole way through. Most improved player is the one award where I'm going to be honest. I don't think it should. I don't think this one should have a name. I think that the best part about this award is Anyone could win it. It, it. It's a new person every time. It's a different thing. And that's how it usually is for each award. But most improved player, in my opinion, is an award in and of itself because I think it's the most unique award. And I think that it should not. So I don't know. I'm going to be honest. I can't put a name or a player to that award because there's been so many great players who have gone through and improved and become 
legendary stars or at least top end, you know, role players. So I think that's one award that for me, it shouldn't even have a name. I don't think you can put a name to that, but the one they did, absolutely not. If you're putting any name to it, I don't think that was the right call. But I, again, that's one that I don't think should have a name. Yeah, that's a solid argument. I mean, I, I scratch my head trying to figure out who the best person to attach the name to this award would be. And I don't think anyone's ever won the most improved player of the year award more than once. So that's, that's tough. I mean, recent memory, and these are, these are three guys that are still active, but I'm thinking of guys that have improved every single year, especially if you go back and look at the back of their basketball card and see their stats improving every single year. A guy like a Jimmy Butler did that for, and he had, I think he improved all of his numbers for like six, seven straight years. Same with Yanni Sadedokumbo, same with Jason Tatum, but you can't put a, active player on an award like this so i'm gonna side with you again on this one i think this one should not have a name if anything maybe put a, a coach or somebody I, I don't know i have no idea what to do with this one other than keep it nameless but good for george mike and his name's on the award and then the last award they renamed and this is a completely i'm sorry this is a completely new award the nba's clutch player of the year award i mean it's a cool sounding award uh, they named it after Jerry West, but my question is, how the hell are they going to – how do you measure that? I mean, that, that's pretty subjective, don't you think? I mean, it's like, okay, well, I don't even know. Montana, what are your thoughts before I just blow a gasket over here? Well, this award in and of itself doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't think – I mean, I get what they're trying to do, and I think that they also get what they're trying to do, and there's a, there's a, there is a purpose behind it, and there's – there is something to be said for a clutch player, but like you said, what do we call a clutch player? How do we determine that? Is it someone that comes up in clutch moments or a player that comes off of the bench and has a clutch performance when a star's out or, or strings together multiple clutch performances? But when I think about clutch, I'm going to go with a player who put up or players because I've got two in mind that I'd like to, this name to be you know named because this award doesn't Jerry West. I'm sorry, I don't think. I don't think he's really that clutch. If you look at his finals record, he's not very clutch in the finals. And he right, was that, I'll give you. not his fault, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to give him clutch. I think clutch is someone who could go through in those moments. Now, the two names that I have are also players that I don't even think that either of these one or no, uh, one of them went to the finals. One of them never went to the finals in my, from what I can remember from what I know, but the players that I would say, it should be named after for clutch as in a clutch player who puts up clutch shot clutch moments. The first one I'm thinking of is Tracy McGrady. I think Tracy McGrady deserves more respect anyway. And I think he's extremely clutch. I think that Tracy McGrady absolutely deserves to have an award that is, that is named after him for clutch. Wow. And then another player that I'm putting up there is Reggie Miller. If there's a player that was actually okay. clutch and solidly clutch consistently clutch, my first pick of this award is Reggie Miller. Now he's more on the clutch shot with, you know, putting up clutch shots shots being on that side of clutch but it was also those shots that helped them win games so if we're talking about the most one of the most clutch players in any sport it's reggie miller so i think if there is a clutch award it's named after reggie miller jerry west to me does not make sense i'm sorry i don't see it Whew. smoke I'm, I'm i'm with you i i have to go back a couple yeah you, you almost had me spitting out my drink when you said tracy mcgrady tracy mcgrady great player I don't really remember him as clutch other than the one game where he scored. I think it was like 16 points in, in like 70 seconds or something crazy like that. A guy couldn't get his team out of the first round of the playoffs. I mean, if we're, if we're using that as a criteria, then Jerry West is the greatest player of all time. Now, Jerry West, Grant, I, I completely agree with you with your finals assessment. 
the guy was named nicknamed Mr. Clutch from guys that are that came around way before either one of us existed. So I'm not totally mad at it. I see the argument, but I'm not totally mad at it. Guys like Michael Jordan, uh, Kobe Bryant. I mean, those are the guys. Now, granted, each of those guys already has an award named named after him. Oof, that's that's tough. That's tough. I, I I like the Reggie Miller call though. I like the Reggie Miller call. I don't know if Reggie Miller's more deserving to be as have his name on an award than Jerry West or some of these other guys that we talked about, but at least that one I can I can I can latch on to. Now there's three awards that the NBA didn't announce or attach a name to, and I don't know these these awards don't exist today. But it just got me thinking: if the NBA wanted to expand awards, we're just going to start making up crap. A clutch Player of the Year award. Why don't we? We talk about the all pest team all the time on Well Beyond the Arc. What about the biggest pest? Hand out a trophy that either looks like a rat or some sort of fly. I mean, who are some guys that you would give the biggest pest award to this season? Guys that are active right now. Biggest instigators, pests, whatever. Annoying well, little gnats. A player that's always an instigator, no matter what team he's been on, college, pro, even high school. Grayson Allen's always a pest. Grayson Allen's always one of those guys. Um, by far one of the Patrick Beverly has already gotten himself in some trouble like he always does. So my top few, I mean, I've got I've got Patrick Beverly up top. You can't really go above that. And then Draymond Green is almost always trolling. He's almost always that player. He's almost always going to be in that conversation. So I'm going with those are my top smoke. three guys. Would be those yes. People. And yeah, John Starks, that would I be – I like that smoke. That's a – Yes. I agree with that. John Starks. I, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, Pat Bev was the first name I wrote down. I also wrote down Marcus Smart and Jose Grand Theft Alvarado of the New Orleans Pelicans. A dude just stands in the corner, waits for them to pa- uh, uh, pass the ball, and then just goes and sneaks behind to get a steal. He's been doing it since his days at, at Georgia Tech. What about the best flopper? Best flopper of the year award. I mean, there's a lot of guys in the NBA in flop. For me, there's one guy. But do you have anybody that comes to mind for a best flopper? I mean – I haven't seen as much as I usually see, but a player that I think could win it every year till he retires is LeBron James. I think that he's he's always flopping. I mean, I I think I've tried to catch at least most of each game this season, and there's been a couple of games where he's had some some flops. You know, yeah, he's getting older, but he's he's flopped pretty consistently. But I'm giving it I'm giving it to I'm going to give it to LeBron until he retires. I can't see another player flopping better than him because he's constantly having some type of flop with some sort of thing. So yeah, I'm going that I'm giving that to LeBron. I mean, I that that's a name I probably should have wrote down. And, and LeBron even said it recently. He's like, man, I should learn how to flop. And I just I almost pulled out the hair that I don't have on my head. I have Marcus Smart because his flopping goes to another level, to like shacking a fool levels. That guy is always trying to embellish some sort of call. Usually hits himself in the face to get a call. W, shades of WWE right there. But for me, it's Marcus Smart. And all right, the last made-up award, the NBA's Biggest Whiner Award. Maybe it could be a Biggest Crybaby Award. Have a trophy of a guy sitting there going like this or throw his hands up arguing a call. Montana, who would you have for this one? Well, this is this is a tough one because I, I just said a player who I would give the flopping <laughs> to. And unfortunately, I, I, I think that he's winning two awards in one season because <laughs> LeBron throws his hands up almost every other play. LeBron is constantly – if they don't score 
or if they're on the other end and there's some foul or something, he's usually always throwing his hands up, even if it's a legitimate call. So I guess LeBron's really getting in his bag, getting a couple of awards this season because I'm giving him that one too. Easy. That one he walks away with even more than the flopping one because he is constantly doing that. Yeah, I, LeBron was the first name I wrote down for this. LeBron's number one here. I also wrote down CP3, Chris Paul, and even Devin Booker. And I, I Devin Booker was the one I, I still remember in Toronto before they got fans back in the stands and the Raptors mascot was like waving his arms in front of the basket. And he whined about that. There's nobody in the stadium, your professional player, 85% free throw shooter. And you're worried about a, a guy in a dinosaur costume. I don't know, but anyway, well, thank, thanks for uh, humoring us on that. And folks, whoever you guys got on some of these awards, fill the comments, start cracking us up. There's already been a couple great comments today, but, it's time for our weekly edition of NBA Player Or. Ooh, new graphics, new sound. I like it. I like it. Well, if you guys have been following well beyond the arc over the weeks, you know how we play this game. The best new YouTube t- uh, game show here on the internet. But for those newbies, we'll explain how the game is played here briefly. Every week, I give Montana the name of five individuals, and he has to tell me whether or not they are the names of an NBA player or someone from a different profession. That different profession can be literally anything in the world. We've had European politicians, famous ballerinas, comedians, um, NFL kickers. It could literally be anything. It's whatever I decide that day. Montana has no idea. He does not see these names before we play. But I swear this guy is the best guesser I've ever met in my life. To date, he is 96 out of 130. He is 18 of his last 20. Two weeks in a row with a four out of five. Previous to that, two five out of fives. Montana, how are you feeling? Well, before I ask you how you're feeling... If you if Montana gets the question right, name accurately, whether it's an NBA player or somebody from another profession, if he gets it right, you will hear this sound. Victory! There we go. Kobe Bryant's there, and thank you again, Johnny Drama. We might have some new graphics, but Johnny Drama's not going anywhere. And if Montana gets the question wrong, you will hear this sound. Ooh, a finger wag. All right, Montana, how are you feeling about the game today? I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling decent. I think I've been decently on fire, but I didn't get that five for five last week, so it's time to get one this week. Okay. Well, last week we did NBA player or famous plumber. This might be the most boring one to be quite honest with you, but we're going to go through it anyway. It's NBA player or famous person named Dwayne. Why I chose Dwayne, it, I, I saw something with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I'm like, okay, there, I don't know anybody named Dwayne. So famous Dwayne's. It doesn't matter how you spell it. As long as his name is Dwayne, it's fair game. So Montana, if you're ready, let's let's go into that first one. All right. I, yeah, let's get it. <laughs> All right, Montana, is this the name of an NBA player or some famous dude named Dwayne? Name is Dwayne Bow. Dwayne Bow. I'm going to I'm going to go with 
different profession. I think he's a yeah. Different profession. Yeah, he is a famous Dwayne. Dwayne Bow is actually a former wide receiver, former Pro Bowl wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. Played with them from 2007 to 2015. Had over a thousand yards receiving three times. One for one. All right. Name number two. Is this the name of an NBA player or some famous dude or just some dude named Dwayne? The name is Dwayne Shinsis. Dwayne Shinsis. Um, I'm wow. It's a tricky one. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with NBA. Victory! And that's a good move, Dwayne Shinsis. I hated when I opened up a pack of basketball cards and I saw his mug on it, but he was a seven-footer out of Florida, played in the NBA from 1990 to 1999, averaged a whopping 2.7 points per game in 217 games. He is unfortunately the first person I thought of for this game. That's how many Dwayne Shinch's cards I have worth absolutely nothing. Okay, number three. Is this the name of an NBA player or some guy named Dwayne? The name is Dwayne Bacon. Dwayne Bacon. NBA player. Victory! Sir, Dwayne Bacon out of, I believe, VCU. Uh, averaged 7.3 points per game in 207 career games, uh, mostly with the Charlotte Hornets, but he did play a year in Orlando where he averaged, I think, over 10 points a game. He's not playing in the NBA this season. He's actually playing with Panathinaikos in Athens in the Greek League. So that's where we can find Dwayne Bacon. If you run into it, if you're in Athens, say hi to Dwayne. All right, name name number four. Is this an NBA player or some guy named Dwayne? The name is Dwayne Chapman. Dwayne Chapman. Hmm. Other other Dwayne. Victory! It's four for four, everybody. We're getting down that uh, nervous time again. Dwayne Champ. I almost said Dwayne Champion. Dwayne Chapman, also known as Dog the Bounty Hunter, and that's the second time Dwayne Chapman has been fe- featured on NBA Player Or. Wow, I did not remember that, but hey, there we go. I, I was it. Yeah, I didn't know that was. Did we use it his other name last time too? I, we used him in the NBA Player Or Famous Reality TV Star. Huh. There we go. I couldn't throw him off. He's four for four, folks. All right, the fifth. And final name for the five for five. The name, well, is this an NBA player or just some guy named Dwayne? The name is Dwayne Farrell. Dwayne Farrell. Some guy named Dwayne. Dwayne Farrell, former NBA player, played in the league from 1989 to 1999 with mostly the Atlanta Hawks and Indiana Pacers averaged 6.4 points per game. But Dwayne Farrell is famous for once getting in a fight with Grant Long and Grant Long putting his hands on Dwayne Farrell's neck and the gum flew out. There is some, there's a funny YouTube clip on there. Four out of five. Still a really good solid outing. Don't don't throw that at him now. Not that five for five, but it's better than, it's better than it's been. I think my worst, I don't know. I don't know what my worst one's been, but I don't think I've gotten. You've gotten two. two You've gotten two once. So that's, that's gotten, now you're up to 100 out of 135. Still. Not bad. Could be better. Still taking it over the left table. 
All right, folks. Well, we will hold briefly here for a message from Jay and the Yankee and the Brit. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Jay from Yankee and the Brit telling you to come over and check out our shows. The Yankee and the Brit Sports Talk, Well Beyond the Arc, The Markout Podcast, Flagrant and Foul, Real Talk with Jay, and MMA Underground Weekly at YouTube backslash The Yankee and the Brit. Deuces. All right, yeah, folks, be sure to check those shows out. You can do that by subscribing in the bottom left-hand corner if you haven't already to the Yankee and the Brit Sports Group. Lots of great stuff there, so uh, be sure to check that out. All right, Montana, let's head right into the good, the bad, and the ugly this week. Every week we give our take one good, one bad thing, and one ugly thing in the NBA over the past week. Montana, what's your good? So I don't want to say I don't want to say my it's unfortunate. I wish this wasn't my good, but my good has to be the Brooklyn Nets finally starting to figure their team out. And I believe they're currently fourth in the East and they were sitting below 10th not too long ago. And they're starting to get their their way back up or just right at 10th. And they're starting to get their way back up. Kyrie's looking nice. Kevin Durant's looking nice. I think this is another Lakers-esque scenario where they're just a couple of players off of really having a solid team. So I think depth is their problem, but they're currently on a four-game win streak. And that is not something they've, they've been able to say they've had until this point. So my good has to be the Nets because they're starting to look more like the team that they're supposed to be. We went 38 minutes without mentioning the Brooklyn Nets. I think that might be a new record, even from last week. I actually had the Brooklyn Nets. I considered putting them as a good because they're 15-7 and seven ever since Jacques Vaughn took over and Steve Nash was fired, which that's nothing to sniff at. But we're going to talk about this team when we uh, here in a minute. But my good has been the, the New Orleans Pelicans. Winners of seven in a row. They're now the number one seed in the East. Zion Williamson has been on a tear, averaging over 30 points per game in his last five. Pelicans are, look scary. They look scary. They're deeper than I thought. Um, but we'll get more into that, but that's my good for this week. How about your bad? So my bad, not so much how they've been playing-wise, but where they're at as a team-wise. It might have been my ugly last week, but I've got to keep the Chicago Bulls in that bad, ugly area. And my reason that I have them in the bad is because this is a team that was an Eastern Conference contending team last year, and now they are one of the top teams in the rumor trade in the rumor buzz. That should not be the case. You should not be one of the top Eastern Conference teams and get that team that you've been looking for and build that core and start to get closer to where you haven't been in so many years and then fall completely flat out. On your face. So I've got them in the bad solely for the fact that they are completely all of this trade rumor buzz and all of that that's going on with some players that you just recently acquired that have helped you and kept you looking decent. That does not look good. So I've got the Bulls in my bad just because I feel like I I don't know. I feel like they're going to really look into some of these trades and we might see a different Bulls roster for better or for worse. I can't really argue with that, unfortunately. This is coming from the guy wearing the Bulls shirt. Uh, there give, there's too many games that the Bulls should have won that they've lost, including the one the other night that I talked about with Atlanta. So, I mean, that's what happens. The losing teams have trade rumors and players-only meetings. But, yeah, can't really argue with that. Josh, if you're watching, you might want to put me on mute uh, because my bad this week is the Phoenix Suns. They've lost four in a row. At one point, they were number one in the West, but they've just gotten dominated not just lost the last four games, but in blowouts. They lost to uh, the Celtics by, by 27 points uh, the other night. They lost 
excuse me, 19 points to Dallas. And they've lost back-to-back games against the New Orleans Pelicans, who look like they've just had their way with them. So my bad right now is the Phoenix Suns. Not playing well. they got to do something. What about your ugly? So my ugly is is tricky because this is another team that record-wise, they're somewhat starting to look better. But I've got the Warriors as my ugly. And one of the biggest reasons I have my ugly is Jameis Winston. We've got not Jameis, not Jameis Winston. Excuse me. Um, James, James Wiseman. James Wiseman. I, excuse me. I'm so, Yeah, James Wiseman. There we go. Blinked for a second. No, James Wiseman. The fact that he is in the G League and he is not the player that they called up from the G League. He's not that two-way player that they called up. They just recently called up a player because of the, that stretch of games they have ahead. And it was not James Wiseman. The fact that they didn't call him up just shows that this team is in some trouble. But when they have had him on their lineup, he's not done much. We haven't seen Wiseman put up the points or the rebound or anything that we were supposed to see. Everyone was expecting him to bounce back, be completely healed. And it doesn't look like it's an injury problem to me at all. It looks like it's just poor playing and a more than just that, a poorly constructed team. It's not just Wiseman. That's not the only reason that they're on my ugly. It's also because when you look at their stat lines night to night, they are so all over the place and their bench is not putting up enough to get them to where they need to get to. So I've got the Warriors and apparently I'm putting, I'm throwing Jameis Winston under the bus too tonight. I'm throwing him out there like he needs any more of that. So my bad tonight is it has to be the Warriors and has to be that oh, James Wiseman yeah. situation. Yeah. I mean, look, James Wiseman, former number two pick, had a decent rookie season and hurt his knee, should be playing better than what he is. That very well could be the Warriors' biggest trade piece right there. I know it's it's it might sound crazy to give up on a 20, 21-year-old kid, but that's somebody who might be able to get back some decent veteran role players to really make your your team deep there. That's I mean, if he's playing in the D in the in the G League right now, you're not losing him anyway. So um, my ugly this week is Jameis Winston. No, I'm kidding. Uh, my ugly this week is the Washington Wizards. They have lost, after we were giving them a couple props uh, a couple weeks ago, they have lost seven games in a row. I know Bradley Beal's been in and out of the lineup and talked about Chris Stapps, Porzingis a little bit last week, but they lost seven in a row. They haven't won a game in December. Oof, 11 and 17 there. I mean, that East is, is something, and, and, you know, they can't pick it up quickly. They're going to find themselves at the bottom of the Eastern Conference very, very quickly and in a big hole to dig out of. Oh, that's our good, bad, and ugly for this week. And we, a little bit of what we touched on a little bit. I think it's time, Montana, we give some love to the New Orleans Pelicans. Like I mentioned just a moment ago, one, winners of seven in a row. Zion Williamson, we, we were talking about before the season started, we were curious to see how he'd fit in with Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum and those guys. But apparently those, answer, <laughs> those questions have been answered. He's fitting in pretty damn well. And they're first in the East. Montana – are the Pelicans for real? Is, is this a contending team right now? I would say absolutely. This, I mean, they're beating legitimate teams. They're not beating bum teams. Now, every every NBA team is going to go up against lower-tier teams because that's just how the schedule goes. There's so many games. You're going to probably at least every week have a lower-tier team you're playing against. But the problem is that – I think people are looking at them like, yeah, they've got this great record, but it's too early in the season. They've been, you know, they haven't been putting up long enough stretches of wins. They haven't been together as a team long enough to continue the success all the way through the season. But I disagree. I think this is a great team. And I think that this is one of the teams that is, a. I don't know if we ever talked sleeper teams in the offseason. I'm sure we talked about them a little bit, but 
this is a team that I'm not going to lie. I did not expect them to have this much success this quick. I thought that this would be a team, especially with CJ McCollum. That addition is super underrated. People did not give that addition enough respect because arguably I think that's one of the reasons they are such a better team is just having another position more completely filled and maybe more consistently filled. So this Pelicans team is the real deal. I don't think they're going to finish first in the West when we get finish the season, but I've got them hovering top five. I don't think this Pelicans team will drop below top five. My one concern is the Zion situation was a little head scratching just with what was really going on and all that stuff. But I am a little concerned if Zion goes down, will this team also go down? Is he, I mean, again, it, it's no doubt that his stats and what he's doing is great, but if they lose him, can they keep on the path they're on right now? that's not to say he won't stay healthy, but there's just, there's a, there's a couple of injury concerns with him and other concerns, but as a, as a whole team, I think they're the real deal. And I think we're looking at a team that won't drop below five. I think they're a fifth seed at the least by the end of the season. Look, I'm just as surprised as you are. I, I thought, you know, coming off of that tough first round matchup with the Suns last year and the Pelicans getting a couple of games there and giving the Suns all they can handle. I knew they'd be better. I didn't think they'd be this good. And we both had questions about how Zion was going to was going to fit in. I completely agree that CJ McCollum trade was huge. It gets them a veteran. I mean, it's a very young team. I think other than CJ McCollum, your vets on there are Jonas Valanciunas, solid underrated big man, perennial underrated big man. Um, and I can't even think of anybody else as far as vets. I mean, everybody else I think is a young guy. I mean, Zion, you have Brandon Ingram, a grand, Ingram's been in the league for a few years, but still a relatively young guy. Herbert Jones, second-year guy who looks like he's going to be a player. Um, Grand Theft Aldorado is only in his second year. Great story, by the way. I mean, this this team is sneaky deep as well. I mean, they got six guys averaging double figures. I didn't know that until I looked that up today. And then three more averaging at least eight points per game, which means they got guys that can be on the floor and can put the ball in the basket. Willie Green's done an outstanding job coaching these guys. I don't know if they'll end up being the one seed at the end of the day or how far they'll go in the playoffs. But I do know this. Even if Zion gets hurt, the Pelicans did prove that they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. And I don't think anybody wants to face these guys right now. But, yeah, I think this team's for real. I'm, I completely agree with you. I think they're a top five seed in the West. Not sure about one, but it's going to be very interesting to see especially at the trade deadline, if they're still like top three in the West, if they add another piece to make a playoff run, that's going to make them even scarier. Yeah, if they, if they add another piece and everyone stays healthy, I think we are looking at a team that will make a run because people kind of forget, we can't really say they made a run last playoffs, but they look decent. They looked like a decent team. They looked like a team that hadn't arrived yet, but that was right there and was ready to arrive. And I think we've seen them arrive. And again, they've pieced together some really impressive performances and they've looked really solid. And Zion is showing that, you know, I think we both expressed some doubts when, with everything that was going on with him being out and this and that. But I think he's putting all those doubts to rest without a doubt. They've been put to rest for me with Ever since the first few games he played this season, he's just looked like the player that he's supposed to be. So this Pelicans team is the real deal. If they add that other piece, they're even more the real deal, which is scary for the West. Yeah, absolutely. Give credit where credit's due. Zion drop weight. He got himself in shape. He's healthy for the most part. He's, been, he's played in the vast majority of the games for the Pelicans this year. And I mean, that's why they're number one in the a big part of why they're number one in the West. And we talked about them adding another piece. Speaking of that, we got a list of vets, veteran players that are stuck on some bad teams that 
we think deserve to play for a winner and make a run in a championship. I mean, there, there's a handful of guys. I mean, Eric Gordon is one Montana where his name is always coming up in trade rumors, especially this year. That Houston Rockets team is a bunch of young guys, and Eric Gordon just looks out of place. I think that's a guy who's been in the playoffs, uh, especially with the Houston Rockets. I think he went to the playoffs with the Pelicans and the Clip. I don't know if he went with the Clippers. But anyway, that's the first guy that comes to my mind. What about you? So I'm going to throw in a little bit here, and I'm going to say I think a solid role player who has been a solid role player throughout his career but is proving that he is still has what it takes and he's putting up career numbers, I'm going to go with Doug McDermott. He's been out here for a minute. He's been around, you know, he's been around the league a couple different stops, and I think that's a player who, A, there's so many rosters that could benefit from what he brings, and B, he could also benefit from being on a higher caliber team because I believe what is he on the Spurs right now? He's not on a high caliber team. And that's part of the reason he's putting up more high caliber numbers because he is one of their better players. If you can believe that again, solid role player, but by all means, not a star, but I think that's one player that's at the top of my list because he's definitely getting up. I think he's 30. And so he doesn't have too much, you know, left in his career, probably left. So get him on a team that can contend because he could add a lot to a roster. I agree. I, Doug McDermott was on my list as well. He might be the Spurs' top-paid player before Keldon Johnson's extension uh, kicks in. I think McDermott's only—I put only in air quotes—he's only making like twelve million dollars a year. No, I'm, I'm with you on the, on the Doug McDermott pick. Another pick I have, and this is one of my—I think—if I had an all-underrated team, I'd put this guy on there as well. Boyan Bogdanovich of the Detroit Pistons. I mean, he's he tasted the playoffs with with the Utah Jazz. Uh, played a little bit with Brooklyn, got traded to to Detroit. Detroit's not making the playoffs. And I don't even know if Detroit, with the salary cap rules and everything, can trade him this year, even though he's in trade rumors uh, with the Lakers and a couple other teams. But I want to see Boyan Bogdanovich on a playoff team. If he was with the Pelicans, who even him on the Suns, that makes a difference for that Suns team. Uh, actually, anybody. That guy is a bucket. Um, not the best defender, but an underrated defender. Um, great score, averaging 20 points per game. For me, Boyan Bogdanovich is another one. Absolutely. No, that's a great pick. That's a player that deserves a better home for sure because that is not the place to be if you're wanting to piece together some wins right now and make your resume look a little bit better. Another player I've got is Mike Conley. This is another guy that, you know, yeah, he's not on, on the worst team in the NBA. They're a team that still competes every night, but the problem is – this is not a team. He should not be expected to have to lead a, a first or a second unit with as much that he has to do because this, this team does not have enough. He is, be, in my personal opinion, yes, he's a vet. You need to ask you know, a lot of your vets in, in one aspect, but I think they're asking too much of Mike Conley, and I think that his role needs to be smaller for another team. He'll find more success, and they'll find more success if he has maybe a few less minutes or just a, a, a role that is maybe – changed a little bit i think the role he has on the jet it's not helping anyone at the moment he's a great player i think he's doing fine i think he's a reason they're staying up top but i think he could have so much more success and a team could utilize him in a in a better way for both of them if he was on a different roster so again he's still one of the players that's keeping that jazz team alive but i just don't think he's being utilized correctly for him and for a team so i think he's another player that deserves a better home what about the dallas mavericks as a fit for mike conley I mean, they're missing Jalen Brunson from last year. I don't, you know, Luca's having a crazy year statistically, but the Mavericks are hovering around 500. 
Heck, even Boyan Bogdanovich would be a great fit for the Dallas Mavericks. I think mm-hmm. all these guys that we're mentioning, I think Dallas should make a run at. Dallas yeah. is one of the teams that needs to the most, and they need yeah. that. They need more vet leadership anyway. You've got the young guys. You've got that. You need more of that vet leadership, and these are the players to go for for sure. Guys that can score off the dribble and from a catch-and-shoot perspective to play off Luka Doncic for sure. Another guy that can do that is Terrence Ross of the Orlando Magic. This guy has always had talent going back to his days with the Toronto Raptors, got traded to Orlando when Orlando had like like a 500 season a couple of years ago, but it's been stuck down there. I know he re-upped down there, but that's a guy that I want to see get a chance with a winning team. Mavericks could be a good fit for Ter- Terrence Ross. Um, but no, that's that's another one. I know we there's a couple other guys we can mention here, Montana. Oh, yeah. We can keep going here. We, yeah, who else well, you one, got? one that's on my mind is Gordon Hayward. I think that's a player who I think that he is one of the most underrated players in our league and has been in the last, you know, 10 years, just because he, you know, within his time in the NBA, has you know, he just has been putting up fantastic numbers you know he hasn't had the most success in the postseason or the most success with a team as a whole but every single team he has been on he has been the highlight and he has been one of the the best marks of those teams and he's been on some pretty great teams he just has never gotten it done and had that success but I think this is a player that could be utilized so much on another team and I think with with Gordon Hayward obviously injuries and his health is kind of a concern and has been a concern but if, if he stays healthy and he's given, you know, the correct environment, he can help you win a championship. He can come through you in the moments you need him. No matter how many minutes he gets, he'll make those minutes count. So Gordon Hayward is, is one for me that it's a no-brainer should be on a better team. No, great call. I mean, all the ones that you've said I've had on my list as well. And now here's where we're going to go off the rails <laughs> as far as my list goes. Selfishly, I want to see Boy- uh, Boyan. I already said Boyan. I want to see Boban Marjanovic on a playoff team, not because he's going to make an impact on the floor, which he could. He's always been a solid backup center, but he's one of those guys. He's a great locker room guy. He's a guy. He's hilarious. He keeps things loose. Um, and if you ever get a ball stuck up near the shot clock, he proved last season he could take he could take the mop and get the ball down. But in all seriousness, it's more so for for team chemistry, team camaraderie. Just another guy, a great guy to have in the locker room. Absolutely. No, that's a big one right there for sure. You know, I, again, these are all te- players that would make their teams better in, you know, in different ways. And not all of them are getting to show that with the organizations they're in right now. And again, like I said, with Mike Conley, like, yeah, he's he's contributing to that jazz team. But I think his his greatest strength and what he could be used for more would just be better used in another lineup on another team. And that's what a lot of these players do. Another one I want to throw out there who is one of the younger vets we're going to talk about, but I still consider him getting there as a vet would be Andre Drummond. Not a big fan of him completely but i think he's a solid guy and i think that he could absolutely be a solid solid you know bench player on a team and and maybe even a starter for certain teams now will he start for a team that's a contender no that that's just i don't think there's any team that i consider contender that would need him on their starting lineup but you put him on the bench and you've got yourself a solid player because he puts big numbers up no matter how many minutes he gets. A little bit of a stat padding guy, kind of empty stats, but still, I think that he could make a big difference. And I'm still upset about the way that uh, stint with the Lakers went because I think if he would have been utilized better in that playoff series, we may have had a better chance because he is a good, solid player who can get you the numbers you need. So Andre Drummond, younger on the younger side, if we're talking about vets, but I, I still think he's not even 30 yet. I think he, he still hasn't turned 30 yet. I think he's 29 turning 30. Yeah. 
within the year. Yeah. But that's a player. I mean, I consider another player that's younger, but I consider a vet in the league for how long he's been in there is Bradley Beal. I think he's a guy that I mean, we could sit here and, and, and talk about him all day and how we think I personally, maybe you don't share the same thing, but I think he's needed to be on a different team for the last yeah. few years. But again, it's money. It's home. It's all this stuff. There's these different factors. But Bradley Beal is another player I consider a vet. And that's a player that what I would consider as a vet star who definitely deserves a better home. So those are two players that are on the younger side. But especially Andre Drummond, I think, is, is a player that probably doesn't have a lot left in the tank. Bradley Beal could go and go and go. But Andre Drummond's probably running out. So I think it'd be good to see him on a contending team. And he was supposed to be that for the Bulls. But that's a different story. I'm going I'll give a last name here, and uh, this one's kind of selfish for me. Uh, it's Derek Rose. He talk about a guy who's been off and often injured throughout his career. You know, yeah, the Knicks are, are battling towards you know trying to get in that play-in seating in the Eastern Conference, but I'd like to see Derek Rose get one more shot on a contender. Personally, you know, there's talk about the Bulls bringing him back home. Okay, it makes for a good story. It wouldn't really do much, though, other than that. It's a good story. It's a good PR move. But from a basketball perspective, it doesn't really make sense with the, what they're trying to do. Um, but I'd like to see Derrick Rose get one last shot. I mean, he's 34 uh, right now. I don't know how much he's going to play any longer. I mean, he could. He can play as long as he wants. But, you know, he's getting up there. I'd like to see him play for a contender one more time. Well, we're coming to a close here on another episode of Well Beyond the Arc, episode number 28 already, Montana. Just crazy to even think about that. But this isn't the only place where you can find us. Montana, where else can we find you and your, your beautiful work? Yeah, so I've got a, two other shows I'm working on right now. One is called The Connor and Heffernan Show, and we actually just wrapped up episode four this last weekend, and that's up on YouTube. You can find us on YouTube or Spotify. Um, our YouTube channel is The Connor and Heffernan Show. We are going to have weekly content on there right now. We, we're kind of going bi-weekly, but we're going to start doing some other things on that as well. So check me check me out on The Connor and Heffernan Show on YouTube, The Connor and Heffernan Show on Spotify. We talk all things sports. This last episode was a, was a big one. Uh, watch the whole thing, or you can also just see where we talk about certain things so you can pick which subject you want to hear us talk about. And then Purple and Gold Zone is my Lakers show, currently only on Spotify, but eventually I'm going to go to YouTube as well. So those are my two other projects and definitely check those out all right and you can find my work on my blog site called the sports page blog that's at the sports page blog.com i'll release a number of different articles about random sports topics uh this past week i released my last entry who i think the most underrated player in nba history is and there can be a number of names from a number of different eras to choose from a lot of great conversation on the social media networks that I post this article on, but be sure to check that out again, the sports page blog.com. And we'll, uh, we'll tap this one off. Uh, wish and condolences to the family of Paul Silas, NBA long, longtime NBA lifer uh, passed away earlier this week at the age of 79. Rest in peace, Paul Silas. Take care all. <laughs>